Welcome to Hispanic Marketing and Public Relations, HispanicMPR.com. This is Elena DelVal, and my guests are Richard Glatzer and Wash Westmoreland, directors and writers of Quinceañera. Today we will discuss the movie and their efforts to target Latino audiences. Over the past few years, Richard has strived to establish himself as an indie filmmaker while simultaneously producing some of television's reality hits. His first feature film, Grief, in 1994, broke new ground by treating the AIDS crisis with depth and unexpected humor. Grief played in competition at Sundance and won top prizes at the San Francisco Frame Line and Torino festivals. Sight and Sound called it a deeply likable movie and said it well deserves the cult status for which it seems destined. Richard originally intended to become an academic. He received a Ph.D. in American Literature from the University of Virginia and edited a book of essays about Frank Capra. His television career includes MTV's Osbournes, Road Rules, and Tough Enough. Richard, Tyra Banks, and Ken Mock created the reality program America's Next Top Model, now in its sixth season. He is a Life Master Tournament bridge player. Wash has made several documentaries, features, and TV shows. In 2004, he went undercover, leaving his political affiliations at the door to write and direct a film about the tormented gay Republicans that won the Audience Award for Best Documentary at the AFI Festival and is now out on DVD. Hailing from Leeds, England, Wash earned his college degree in politics at the University of Newcastle-upon-Tyne immediately prior to moving to America. In 1994, he was living in New Orleans when he caught the film bug and made a short film, Squishy Does Porno, which according to promotional materials gained cult status. Shortly afterwards, he moved to Los Angeles and landed a job in the adult film industry. In 2000, he made his debut feature film based on his observations of that industry, The Fluffer, co-directed with Richard. The film premiered in North America at the Toronto Film Festival and internationally in Berlin, Germany. Premier Magazine selected it as one of the top ten buried treasures of the year. Quinceañera is a 2006 Sony Pictures Classics movie, winner of the Audience Award and Grand Jury Prize for Best Dramatic Feature at this year's Sundance Film Festival. Richard and Wash, welcome. Thank you, Elena. First of all, what is an indie film? I noticed that from your bio. Tell us what that is. Well, basically, an indie film is a film that's produced outside of Hollywood. Um, you know, the studio system, I think, is you know the most well-known, famous way of making films. Independent films are financed, um, you know, from other money sources other than the studios, and they usually reflect a sensibility that is more. Um, adventurous and experimental than what the studios do, which is more, much more calculated to, uh, you know, trying to produce a hit. How did you decide to get into the movie industry? Uh, I imagine from what you're describing that the indie route perhaps was the entry point, but how did you decide that this was something that you wanted to do? Obviously, you were pursuing other avenues. Well, I think both of us were obsessed with film from a very early age, and for me it was really just kind of facing up to the fact that this is what I wanted to do with my life and going for it. Um, 
I actually uh, started writing, and that was my entree into uh, the film world. And I sold a couple of features to uh, Disney, and I did some writing for television as well. And uh, had the frustrating experience of not seeing what I'd written produced. And also, I came to realize that my sensibility, I think, was more of an independent one than the studio sensibility. So uh, that was the route for me, and it was really just deciding, okay, I'm going to make my own film and doing it. Yeah, I think a lot of people come to Los Angeles, you know, with the plan of getting into film. And um, sometimes it's, it works out great. Other times you can kind of get disillusioned because working on Hollywood movies, often you can get very distant from the actual creative center of the film. Doing an independent film is usually a great experience for, you know, for the crew and for directors because you have more direct access to what the film really is. You can really influence the way a film turns out. And I think independent film just, you know, it, you can really feel the film a lot closer than in the studio film. Was it difficult to make inroads to get in there initially? I think to make an independent film, you just have to be very determined. You have to just decide, I'm going to do it. It's going to be really hard raising money. I have to, you know, just put myself uh, through all sorts of situations, trying to find investors and so on. But I think uh, both grief and, well, all three of our films, I mean, they came about because we had this hard-nosed determination that we weren't going to give up. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's interesting. If you listen to the job description for an indie filmmaker, it could be something like, you're going to work on a script maybe for up to five years. It might never get made. Um, then once it does get made, it might never get shown at a film festival. Once it's shown at a film festival, it might not get picked up for distribution. And once it's picked up for distribution, it might not get its fair shot out in the world. It might, you might be landed with a very small advertisement in the corner of the newspaper. So really, you're looking at, you know, at a, I think a sane person would just run a mile at, based at the prospect of indie film. But at the same time, very appealing things can happen. What happened to us uh, with the experience of Quintanera is kind of a dream come true for an independent film. In other words, you're saying that most sane people wouldn't have made it all this way. <laughs> I, I think you're right. I'd have to be a little bit crazy to be putting your life on hold for year after year trying to be an independent filmmaker. Yeah, you have to have this kind of um, very sort of strong imagination just to picture an optimistic future because often the present tense, what you're actually dealing with in independent film is just very tough and usually not very financially rewarding. Is the goal, when you, when you decide, I want to be an indie filmmaker, is the goal to eventually become part of the establishment to team up with someone like Sony and have all of those things taken care of? Or is it a stepping stone, but also something that you want to continue doing throughout your career? Um, it's very much about finding a way to make a living as an independent filmmaker so that we don't have to have day jobs. I think for both of us, that's the, the you know, main goal right now. Uh, there are all of these smaller units attached to the studios, like Sony Pictures Classics, which is not Sony Pictures, uh, who are interested in doing you know, lower-budget films by studio uh, standards, but interested in doing interesting work. And uh, for us, I think that our goal is to work with people like Sony Pictures Classics and make films on a budget larger than Quintanera so that we can pay ourselves uh, pay ourselves for our work. But I don't think we really aspire to doing big Hollywood blockbusters. Uh, some people certainly do. I think some people do an independent film as like a calling card as a way of getting into the studio system. And you see when people have an... At one 
and you'll see someone who has like an independent hit and then as before you know it they're doing like a 50 million dollar you know harry potter movie or something um for us we 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 aren't really interested in going that route we i mean we want to make movie independent movies on a scale that is economically sustainable for ourselves but we're not in any hurry to run and you know make it the next remake of spider-man what's quinceanera about i know the title is referring to a young 15 year old latina girl but obviously there's much more there uh, well, for us, Quinceanera is about a, a neighborhood in transition and two uh, teenagers in transition. Uh, it's about two uh, uh, kids who are cousins who f- have falling out with their families for different reasons, but both to do with teenage sexuality. And at the same time, they're living in a neighborhood that's undergoing change. And it's a neighborhood that was initially uh, very much Latino and that is becoming gentrified and is becoming very expensive. Uh, so for us, the Quinceanera as this kind of community event was the focus for these other issues that we wanted to explore. Yeah, I think ultimately it's really about family values, um, but not um, the family values that are, we've come to understand in a political sense as having quite a narrow meaning. It's really about a more expanded version of family values. It's about people taking care of each other, and it's about how families survive changing economic conditions. Where did the concept come from? Did, did you wake up one morning and decide, I want to do a movie about a 15-year-old girl, or was it inspired by something else? It was else? almost as crazy as that, actually. <laughs> um, what had happened is um, we moved to Echo Park in, like, 2001, and we um, got to know our neighbors quite well. And in 2004, we were invited um, to our next-door neighbor's quinceanera, but we were invited in the capacity of the official photographers. It's like um, we were there to take the, you know, the official photos of, of the girl and her quinceanera court. Um, so we went down there with cameras just to, you know, basically record the event. But it turned out to be a great way of like seeing a quinceanera from the inside. Um, not only did we do the official photo- photos, but we took lots of photos of the actual event. And we were kind of blown away at, you know, at, at how beautiful the tradition was and how it pulled all the generations of the family together. And we were sat at the reception, you know, watching everybody dancing and going crazy. And we still, Richard said to me, you know, this, one day this will be a film. But we never thought we would be the people to make it. Yeah, the actual idea came on uh, New Year's Day 2005. We were a little bit hungover from New Year's Eve. And we were just talking about our neighborhood and what an interesting place it is when a neighborhood is uh, gentrifying because you have such different cultures right next door to each other. And uh, I hadn't really seen a film about that. Uh, and that's what really got us thinking. And then the idea of the quinceanera came back and uh, suddenly we felt like we had a movie on our hands. What happened next? Now you have the idea and you have to put all of this together you have to have an understanding of the neighborhood or the neighborhood concept, which, of course, it sounds like you do because you were living some of that. But how did you get all of these things to come together into a movie in just under a year? <laughs> it happened very quickly. Amwash had met these investors who wanted to make their first independent film, and we had approached them with a project that would have cost uh, something more like $2.5 million dollars, and they said that that was not something they were, you know, they were capable of. But if we ever had an idea that we could do for under $500,000, uh, we should let them know. So Wash went to them and just pitched this idea before we had anything on paper. 
and they were immigrants. They were two uh, Greek immigrants and one Israeli, and they immediately resonated with the idea of a film about an immigrant community, even though it was a different community than their own. And they just shook hands and said, go make this movie, uh, which was the first time we've ever had such an easy time fundraising as independent filmmakers. Yeah, and but then we set about actually doing the film, and it, we were on a very accelerated schedule because these guys were like, we want to make our money back. And, you know, an independent film, that can often take years. Well, they wanted to really push the production through. Um, we actually ended up, um, we had this really crazy schedule. We were going to write it in February, we were going to cast it in March, and we were going to shoot it in April. And um, unbelievably, we stuck to that schedule. It took us three weeks to write the movie. Um, it took us about four weeks to find all the cast, and then we shot the film in three weeks, um, working 18 days, you know, very hard schedule. And by the end of April, we'd actually finished the film that we'd thought of on January the 1st. So I don't think films normally happen that fast. It was just like catching lightning in a bottle. What about the cast? You were just saying how quickly you put everything together, including finding a cast, did you say, in a month? That's right, yes. What was that process like? Because you were working with a different cultural mindset, right? Yeah, well, a lot of the things we decided just at the very beginning of the film were like, we want to um, capture the neighborhood, we want to shoot very fast and light, and we want to use a lot of non-professional actors and real people from the neighborhood in the movie. Um, so when we set about casting, it wasn't like the normal Hollywood method of casting is to find movie stars who are big enough names on your marquee to bring the financing. We already had our very modest financing, so for us it was just like we have to just put feelers out into the community to find exactly the right people for each part. So we put out um, what's known as a breakdown, which is like a fax that goes out to all the different agencies, and we got various people submitting headshots, which is a conventional route to go. But at the same time, then, we also approach various community organizations. There's an organization called Nosotros that's all about pushing Latino artistic projects, and they have a website. We advertise on their website, and we started getting a lot of actors seeing up to posting on the website who would then come in for the auditions. And we were, you know, initially we just had this little kind of, you know, little box office and people would line up in the foyer and come in and do the thing. And all we were looking at, we weren't saying, you know, how big's your name and what's your resume? All we were doing was saying, what can you do in front of our camera? Show us what you can do. And we started immediately getting a very high caliber of people because there's a lot of incredibly talented actors out there. Is making a Latino-themed film like this one different in your experience from other movies and is working with Latino actors, particularly ones without experience or with limited experience, how is that different from what you've done before? Well, we had never made a film um, outside of the Screen Actors Guild before. And uh, so, you know, part of this is just our working with actors who don't have a lot of experience. Um, and we found that the talent was unbelievable. We found that uh, there was no awareness on our part of any kind of lack because these people were, for the most part, making their first movie. Um, whether you can generalize and say that's just Latinos, I don't know. But I know we had a really, really wonderful experience uh, working with the people on this film. And we're even actually talking about uh, doing a TV series mostly for the experience of being able to work with them again. Um, as far as, like, you know, our approach to it, we knew, like, we had to approach this whole movie with just a great humbleness. If we kind of set ourselves up as, like, 
we are the experts on Latino culture, we would just completely fall flat. I mean, um, neither of us speak Spanish, and although we have many Latino friends, it's not the same as actually growing up Latino. And so w when we made the film, we never wanted it to feel like, ooh, outsiders peering in. We wanted it to feel like it was a movie that had come from within the community. So as soon as we wrote the script, we were checking with a lot of our friends to check we got the details right, getting a lot of feedback. And we continued that feedback loop actually into production by developing a relationship with our cast where we could say to them, you know, is this a real situation for you? You know, how, would, how do you think the character would say this line? And really kind of get their feedback because, you know, they have lived a life that really would feed into the part they were playing. And, you know, we, we developed a tremendous relationship with our cast. I think a lot of um, the greatest compliments we've had on the film have been from Latino audience members who have said, you know, hey, I came in skeptical, but you guys got it right. The reason we got it right is because we just deferred to our cast who, you know, led us along the way, let us know when we were on the right track and, what, more importantly, when we weren't. Yeah, something else that was very different for us um, from the past films we've made, I think, was just the openness of the community and the support we got from the community. Because in the past, we'd be trying to find locations, for example, uh, for our film, and um, we would find every door closed in our faces. I mean, people in this town are very savvy about film production. They know that it can be a very damaging and, you know, annoying process, and they don't want anything to do with it if there's not a lot of money involved. Whereas our neighbors were very excited that we were making a movie and they wanted to be there for us, and they uh, opened up their, their doors to us. We had four locations on our block alone, and many others within you know, a couple block radius, and people would move out of their houses for most of a week. They would let us you know, do all sorts of things to the interiors of their houses, and they were amazingly accommodating. Has the neighborhood and has the Los Angeles community, if you will, been particularly welcoming of the movie? Have you noticed anything special in that area, or has just has the response been nationwide? I do, I do think Los Angeles has been especially welcoming uh, to the film. I mean, we've been doing questions and answers here after some of the screenings, and uh, just gotten incredibly warm responses. We've had people lining up for. 45 minutes to get posters and, you know, get posters signed and so on. Um, and we've also seen different organizations incredibly supportive of the film. Uh, there was a screening for Los Angeles teachers, and they just really loved it, and they wanted to take it to their students and, you know, have, have students see the film. Um, so, and people very much identify, you know, the, the neighborhood. If you're from Los Angeles, you might live in Echo Park or you might know of Echo Park or have lived there in the past. And, uh, you know, I think there's a, a real kind of thrill for people here and seeing something familiar on the, on the big screen. At the same time, though, when we did take the movie to the Berlin International Film Festival, we were like, oh, okay, how is a German audience, which is, you know, culturally about as far as you can get from, you know, Echo Park, going to respond to this movie? And we were really, really happy because people would became immediately became very involved or very curious about Latino culture that was shown in the movie. And they became emotionally involved because a lot of the themes in the movie are universal and they deal with family issues that a lot of people can identify with. And so we had the gratifying experience of realizing that, um, you know, the film also speaks outside of Los Angeles. And the film actually, I mean, the film buyers at the Berlin Film Festival went crazy for it and it sold 
in places that we never would have imagined, like it's going to play in Iceland, it's going to play in South Korea, playing in like um, Singapore, Turkey, South, <laughs> Turkey, South Africa, all these different places that are going to get this insight into you know the Latino culture of Echo Park through seeing our movie. Were cities like Toronto and perhaps Berlin that have diverse populations most likely to embrace that that changing and ethnically charged concept, or was it pretty much universal? Well, we kind of thought that would be the case, and then we went to play this New England Film Festival at Newport, and it was like super white. <laughs> I mean, it's like really like this white kind of New England old money audience, and we were like, oh, okay, how's this going to go down? They just went crazy for it. There was like people giving us a standing ovation at the end. Um, so we found we can't generalize. Um, we certainly, I mean, every audience is different, and sometimes you get a cooler audience, sometimes you get a really warm audience, and so, you know, but we found the racial mix of the audience isn't a factor in that. It's just more, it just varies from audience to audience by some strange divine formula of the personalities actually in, in the room. Yeah, we even, when we screened once on the west side of Los Angeles, which is it's a much more white neighborhood than, you know, Echo Park area or, or even Hollywood, we had people saying, oh, thank you so much for showing us this culture that we never knew about that's only 10 miles away from us. Um, so, you know, even though there weren't people of the culture, they seemed very appreciative of the window into the culture. Are there plans to translate it into Spanish, for example, and to show it in Latin America? Or? Well, it's funny you should ask that because we were just talking to Sony about that. I mean, as filmmakers, you're always happiest, I think, with subtitled versions because then, you know, you're keeping your actors' voices and so on. But we, we don't want to stand in the way if the film's going to reach a wider audience by being dubbed. We want to be behind that. But what we were suggesting to Sony, and they're very, you know, accepting of the idea, is have our cast do the dubbing. I mean, virtually everyone in the cast can do their own Spanish dubbing, so we're working with them on that right now. Often when you get dubbed movies, you get, a, you know, an actor, a voiceover artist who's paid to come in, and they can often reinterpret the role, um, because it's a different personality than imposed on the character. Um, so by using our original actors, hopefully what we'll do is maintain the performances so that the film retains it, the same emotional impact that it does in the original version. What would you say, after all of these accomplishments and warm reception outside all of the local borders and domestic borders, what do you think that you as professionals and the movie have accomplished? Well, I mean, for us, our biggest goal with the film, I think, was to break down borders between different cultures. And uh, the, with the film getting the kind of exposure it's getting and getting the kind of reception it's getting, it makes us feel that we're accomplishing that goal. I mean, it feels like different communities are learning about each other, and that's a great feeling for us. Yeah, I mean, there's certain themes in the movie that are considered very controversial for the Latino community. And um, certainly when our film was, you know, on the market, that a lot of distributors were worried because, you know, the the say, well, will a Latino audience accept a film that has gay themes? And we were like, well, that's just a, a very kind of broad, patronizing question to look at the Latino market market 
as this huge like homophobic entity like 40 million people or however many who are all kind of have this prejudice and we're like we know we've lived on a street that is predominantly Latino for the last five years as a, a gay couple and we have never encountered any prejudice from our neighbors so we feel like that argument just from our own experience is completely you know fallacious and you know the response has been incredible a lot of people have sort of we have a character in the movie who is i think a new character in a lot of for a lot of people that he's a macho guy who is gay and he's, he looks like a cholo but it, you know he has this kind of sexual identity that he's coming to terms with and i think just a lot of audience are like a very pleased to see like new ground being broken in film and to see like these issues being brought to the surface so people can discuss them so perhaps this has helped open doors for in a small way yeah maybe someone will see the film and understand what it's like for a member of their family or someone will see the film and just kind of identify with the characters who are more accepting and not with the characters who are more narrow-minded and at the same time uh the film does have this gay element and uh there you know has been a large gay audience and the film is about a kind of coded racism in that community how people can fetishize a race without according that race you know full status and um you know we've had great responses from people in the gay community saying oh we're glad that you brought these kinds of things to the surface so uh you know we we feel like the movie is working also i mean the movie isn't specifically about the immigration debate, but it is about an immigrant family um, who are, you know, finding their, you know, their place and dealing with a lot of aspects of, of the Americanization of the quinceanera. Um, there's, there's definitely a debate between the father and the daughter about whether the quinceanera itself will be a more traditional Mexican version or like more of the kind of materialistic American version that is becoming, you know, the trend in America. And I think, you know, just because the overall message of the movie is really about family pride, then a lot of people are sort of seeing this about a movie about immigrant family pride, and it's kind of taking on this extra resonance in the political situation we find ourselves in this year. What kind of feedback did you receive, and perhaps are still receiving, from the cast, the cast members? Were they concerned about the themes in the movie were they concerned about how their families or their communities would respond to their participation or playing a gay role for example well it's interesting because there were one or two um not so much cast members as maybe parents of the younger cast members who had expressed concern about the gay theme in the film and how it would be handled and i think since they've seen the finished film they've all been uh you know much more comfortable with it and they're all just proud of the film as they can be i think yeah it's kind of interesting um out of our three lead actors um two of them emily rios and jesse garcia both grow up as jehovah's witnesses um which you know is quite a strict religion in terms of um you know dealing with a lot of the issues the film deals with um so um emily emily's family actually left the church about a year before you know our film started but she's often reflected that if she'd still been an active member of the congregation, that doing this film would have been very difficult for her because it would have really, um, you know, kind of pressed a lot of buttons um, with that very sort of strict intersexual codes of that religion. What's next for the cast members? Are you planning or are they planning another movie? What's in the works? Well, here's what we used to joke.
joke on the set about, oh my god, what would Quinceanera 2 be like? Like, and just invent crazy ideas for like a remake. Um, and it was just in fun. But after the movie has come out and um, had the response it's had, we've actually been approached um, to make a, a TV series that's loosely based on Quinceanera. So um, at first we were like, oh, okay, we didn't, how do we take that story further? But then we were really energized about the idea of working with our cast again and getting them, you know, getting in these great roles on, on a, TV, a recurring TV show. And then also, as far as it being a TV series, we thought, well, you know, we don't want to be, like, you know, doing every single episode. What we want to do is give the series over to uh, Latino writers and directors, and we just kind of set it up and use it as, like, this kind of place to, um, to really kind of push um, a lot of the incredible talent out that's out there in the Latino community behind the camera. So we kind of almost feel like, well, Quinceanera, we took from something from the community to make that movie. Now with the TV series, hopefully we can give something back and give opportunities to people to, uh, you know, make this into a, a series that can deal with a lot of the issues that the Latino community and immigrant communities are dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis. In developing the concept and, of course, once the film was complete, did you do anything special to cater to Latino audiences in addition, of course, to the actual theme and cast? Did you do anything in terms of marketing or your message or your outreach to try to reach specifically to those audiences? I mean, in terms of writing and, and making the film, I don't think, I think we just told the story we wanted to tell. Um, but, but more like in terms of the outreach, yeah. we, have, um, we have basically three main publicists. Um, one deals with like East Coast, one deals with West Coast, and one just deals with the Latino press. And, um, we, you know, we have a tremendous uh, relationship with her, and she just focuses on getting the message out, um, you know, through Latino channels. And it's been incredibly successful, I think, in large part to the fact that our lead girl, Emily Rios, is kind of considered like the it girl. Um, she's been on the front of a lot of magazines. She's a tremendous character. She's am amazing in interview. And, you know, she was 15 when we shot the film. She has a really interesting story. She really comes from a lot of the same similar background elements that the character in the movie has. And she speaks out about a lot of issues around, you know, teen pregnancy and around kind of uh, religious families dealing with their children. And I think it's really, you know, it's kind of caught this wave in, in uh, Latino press, that she's all over the Latino press. And so, um, you know, it, it's really helped us. Like, we, we've been amazed at, you know, the openness and the coverage we've had in, you know, things like Hispanic ma Magazine, run several pieces on us that were incredib incredibly positive, La Pignon, all that kind of thing. And then from there, we have gone, you know, through uh, um, basically the whole network of, the people we know through Quinceanera to get posters up, to get postcards out, to kind of go into the communities, to make sure the movie is showing in Latino neighborhoods, and to make sure that you know people know, okay, this is a movie that you, you can go see and it'll speak about issues that uh, kind of part of the Latino community's day-to-day -day life. What lessons do you, as movie industry professionals, 
takeaway from this experience in terms of reaching out to Latino audiences since our audience is made up of marketers and communicators and, and people who have a particular interest in those in those tools what kinds of lessons have you learned and perhaps you can share some tips with our audience well as far as um, movies go I think um, you know Latino projects are very underrepresented I think it's incredible there's you know there's not really in Hollywood um, the young Latino guy who's well I suppose Michael Peña is just coming up but there's very few like movie star names around considering like the huge size of a Latino audience and I think um, when you get something like an independent film that's dealing with Latino issues I think it's a really great place uh, for businesses to support there's a few companies like Tecate that uh, sponsored the movie and kind of, you know, showed their endorsement of the movie by doing that. And I think it's really great for businesses to not just look at, like, the, you know, high-level Hollywood um, movies to sponsor, but also to look at these independent movies to actually place their products in, which, you know, adds authenticity for the movie maker and gets, you know, shows the support of, of to the Latino community for the uh, marketers. I think also for for those marketers, uh, it's going to be the independent films that reflect the culture, I think, more accurately. I think Hollywood's always going to be about, you know, making Latinos into cholos or maids or whatever and doing the cliches, whereas I think the independent filmmakers are the people who are going to make movies like Maria Full of Grace and, and Real Women Have Curves and make films that really address the Latino community. And eventually Hollywood will catch on, but for right now I think it will be a really wise place for uh, people to invest money. Would you say that, that this was a successful project? Oh, my God, this project has been successful beyond our wildest <laughs> dreams. A year ago, we were just in a little editing room in, you know, in the San Fernando Valley, just cutting the movie and wondering if it would even get out into the world, if anyone would ever see this movie. Um, we heard about a year ago we got into Sundance, and that was fantastic news. But we never in a you know, thousand years dreamed of what was going to happen at Sundance, that basically... You know, the, the whole festival would go quinceanera crazy and we'd get both prizes. And then the, the way the movie's rolled out this year into its release has been so exciting. And the most exciting thing is the way people are responding to it. We're getting, um, you know, we're getting, we, people come up to us and say the most wonderful things after the screenings. And then, of course, online, you're getting the most honest opinions. You see what people post. And people have been just saying that, really the greatest compliments that we could ever imagine about the movie so yeah i mean no matter how much box office tape it takes in this movie to me is always a huge success i agree wash you you mentioned sundance which is perfect because i was going to ask you tell us about the awards was that something really special does does everybody get sundance awards two sundance awards a year well it's only happened once before in the history of sundance that the same movie has got um, both awards. Um, usually the understanding is the audience award goes to the movie that's most crowd-pleasing and the grand jury award goes to the movie that's considered most artistic, most artistically accomplished. And, um, you know, we it, it's, it's nearly every year they go to polar opposite movies um, that have very different tones. And um, so we were at Sundance, when we went in at the beginning of the week, Nobody was talking about our film. Because even at Sundance, even once you've got in, there's still a lot of films in there. There's still over 100 films. And it's often the films that have, like, you know, a Hollywood star in the lead doing an independent film that are still going to get most of the attention because they have a media hook. 
So for a film like ours, with completely unknown actors, we were, you know, we were the underdog. But then it, this is Sundance, so it's an underdog film festival. So being the underdog could actually be an advantage. And what we found was that after the first screening, just people just started talking, and there was this incredible buzz started developing. And we had like taxi drivers and waitresses saying, "Oh, that's your film! Oh, people are talking about that film." And we just kind of felt this great feeling of the whole of Park City Festival turning its attention on our little movie. And the responses of the screenings have been so fantastic that we thought, well, maybe we stand a shot at getting the Audience Award. And um, that award is announced halfway through the award ceremony at the end. And um, once we got that, we're like, yeah, this is great. Let's celebrate. And we just thought, oh, we'll stick around and see who else has won. And we just never thought we were even in the running for the Grand Jury Prize. So when we got that one, too, that was like getting two winning lottery tickets on the same day. In other words, it just doesn't happen. <laughs> and, you know, it goes down as one of the most incredible moments of your life. It was actually Richard's birthday, so it turned into a really great birthday for him. And, um, and we knew then that those two awards would guarantee that our movie would get its shout in the world, that it would get a chance to get out there and get on the big screens for ordinary paying public, because once you've got those awards, that's the uh, imprimatur of like Sundance saying, you know, this movie's worth seeing. And that means a lot in, you know, independent film culture in America. Yeah, when you're making a movie without any, you know, big obvious hook and without any big star names, you need something to get people's attention. And having those awards is our equivalent of, you know, having J-Lo in the movie or something. I mean, it's like something that makes people go, oh, I want to see that film. Whereas without those awards, you know, people might not know about the movie. They might not have any particular... Uh, you know, into seeing the movie. Those awards say, hey, you've got to take a look at this movie, and it means that the distributors will take a look, which was the first hurdle we had to overcome. Well, what do you do for an encore when you've won two lottery tickets on the same day? <laughs> well, you know, we have, we're filmmakers. We want to make films. We want to work our craft and develop our film skills, and we want each project we make to be unique in its own way. There'll never be another quinceanera for us. There'll never be an experience that I don't think that was as easy as this film or as, like, uh, such a Cinderella story as this film. Um, and we have to just count our blessings and say, we're, you know, we're really amazed that, that we got to make this film. We're really proud of that. But, of course, when we go on to other films, it's like having kids. You love your first baby, but then you maybe you have another baby and you're going to sort of, like, hope that that, that one also, too, has, has a great journey in the world. So... We'll, we'll move on to other projects, and you know. But as I said, there'll never be another quinceanera. Is the is the next baby going to be a Latino baby? Are you thinking of a Latino-oriented movie? Well, we have a couple of projects in mind, actually. And one is a film about immigration. It's a romantic triangle about a, a wealthy American who brings a Russian trophy bride over on a, a trial basis, and the Russian trophy bride uh, goes to English class and meets an illegal Mexican immigrant who she falls in love with. So. Um, you know, that has a, a certain Latino aspect to it. Um, it's also just a way of looking at the current state of America. Um, you know, like what does, like the, really the, the illegal immigrant is the one who really sort of has a much purer view of, of what America is and what, it, what the potentials of this country. And um, the, very much more like the established fifth generation Anglo-American is the one who's just more about the dollars and cents version and owning a house and owning a car and owning a, basically buying a wife. So it's kind of questioning different views of what is the priority in America, what is great about this country. And it's, you know, it, I think it's very appropriate for, for the debate right now about, you know, 
the crazy debate about who deserves to be an American, who doesn't. Are you planning on having Quinceañera on DVD? Is that going to be possible? Oh, absolutely. For an independent film, the DVD market has been was what has saved independent film. Because in terms of box office, you know, we can't compete with Talladega Nights. We just don't have that same setup in terms of, like, outreach, advertising, media, anything. So when an independent film goes out into the world, the... Um, the theatrical release is kind of like a, it's like advertising for it, and it, it kind of gets the name out there and people see it. But independent films always make much more money, actually, in the back end on DVD sales. Because, you know, with a theatre ticket, say you're paying eight bucks, um, you know, half of that's going to go to the theatre. But with a DVD, say you're paying 20, 20 most of that is going to go back to the distributor and then back, you know, to the investors, a, a small trickle at the end. But in terms of, like, revenue, um, DVD, the DVD revenue has been what's kept independent film profitable um, and, and viable in the last 10 years. When are the DVDs going to be available, and how can people get them? Uh, DVDs, we hope, will be available by Christmas. Uh, that's up to Sony Pictures Classics, though. Yeah, and we made a special, you know, we've tried to um, make a lot of special little things for the DVD. We made this making of Quinceanera um, video that has interviews with all our cast that's, you know, a really wonderful addition. And we just, we want the DVD to, for people who love this film, for them to find something special on the DVD about the film. You know, we want it to be something you can explore and, uh, and discover things. The interesting thing for us, I think, when we set off on this venture, we were like, is someone going to put up a hand and say, you guys should not be making this film, this isn't your place, um, you know, a friend's going to say, oh, guys, you know, you're going down the wrong track here. Are our neighbors going to just give us a cold shoulder? And we had exactly the opposite experience. Everybody was like, yeah, you have to make this film. You know, I want to help. I want to help out. Our neighbors just went crazy. They let us into their houses. They, you know, moved out so we could shoot in their houses. Many of them appeared in our film. And without the support of the Latino community, this film would have been completely dead in the water. I mean, we had to put on a whole quinceanera as part of the movie, and hundreds of extras turned up just to support the movie, and I think it was that kind of thing that has translated into the movie and given it its life and spirit. Thank you, Richard. Thank and, you, Elena. And Wash. Thank you, Elena. For joining us today, and to our audience, thank you for listening to Richard Glatzer and Wash Westmoreland, We've never been on a podcast before, so I hope you enjoyed it. It was wonderful. It was very interesting. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and Richard and Wash are directors and writers of Quinceañera, brought to you by Hispanic Marketing and Public Relations, HispanicMPR.com, providing you essential information on America's largest minority. Please share your comments, suggestions, questions, or ideas by leaving a comment on the HispanicMPR.com website. If you or someone you know would like to be on the show, you can email me directly at editor at hispanicmpr.com. That's editor at hispanicmpr.com. For more information on how to reach Hispanics with marketing and public relations tools, visit our resources section at www.hispanicmpr.com. That's www.hispanicmpr.com.